0: Good morning, my name's Katrina. It's a delight to see you here this morning and a special welcome to all of those who are online watching. I imagine you're sitting underneath an umbrella on a beach sipping a cool drink, so it's good to see you too. Well, our Bible reading this morning comes to us from the very last letter in the New Testament, this tiny sliver of a book just before the apocalypse of Revelation called the letter of Jude. Jude was thought to be one of the brothers of Jesus. And in the very final verses of Jude's letter, are these beautiful words of benediction. Some of you might be very familiar with them. In fact, they could be something that you sung Sunday after Sunday after Sunday at the end of a worship service from those blue hardback hymnals, if you're old enough to remember that, which I confess I am. So instead of reading these verses from the Bible this morning, I thought that we might take a bit of a nostalgia trip and I've asked John and Jenny Fernwannon to come and sing it to us, so that we can hear again those familiar familiar words and song that we remember. So John and Jenny, if you wanna come up. I love meeting people at New Hope. I get to understand a little bit of their story and discover that people have done, over the course of their life, all sorts of amazing things in all sorts of places. And John and Jenny are no exception. They had a very long and industrious career, illustrious uh, career going around singing in churches and at Christian events. And so it's a pleasure to have them sing this benediction for us this morning. <laughs> set you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Isn't that wonderful? It just brings up all these fabulous feelings of nostalgia like I'm back, back in church all those days ago. Thank you so much, John and Jenny, that was beautiful. Well, Christmas is but days ago, but the new year is not quite upon us, is it? We're in this strange period of transition. The close of 2019 is within sight. The last few months, in fact, have been a series of endings, haven't they? as we've finished up with final graduations and last days and Christmas breakup parties in various contexts. And now we're just waiting for that final turn of the page of the calendar. Some of you, no doubt, will be glad to see the end of 2019, happy to move on and to turn a new page, while others of you might be feeling like actually you're not quite ready to let go of the year. As if the close of the year wasn't enough of a milestone for us, this year we're actually also on the cusp of the close of a decade. The 2010s, the 20-teens, are about to pass us by. They've had their moment. I wonder, how old were you 10 years ago? Not such a hard bit of maths to do on a Sunday morning. Do you remember where you were at the start of 2010? Exactly who you were with and, and what you were doing? If you could travel back in time, What would you say to your 10 years younger self? One of the gifts of this season, this time of year, is that it's a time of year where both the speed and also the volume of life gets turned down. For the next week or so, the whole of the nation has taken its foot off the accelerator and pressed its foot on the brake. We're either stationary or we're crawling along at a walking speed. I think the national mood is best reflected in our obsession or our tradition of the post-Christmas Day Boxing Day test. A single cricket match, one match that we somehow miraculously enable to last several days long, where I don't think we actually so much care about who the winner is, as we're just looking for an excuse to sit in front of the television or indeed at the MCG for days on end doing nothing. But alongside this slowdown in the speed is this kind of quietness, this quietness begins to descend at this time of year. Can you hear it? There are fewer cars out there hurtling down Middleborough Road. There are fewer shops that are open. There are fewer people that are rushing around. It's like the volume on all of the noises in our life gets turned down. The chatter that incessantly invades our head chatter about, work and jobs and study and school activities and appointments and whatever else we spend our brain cells on suddenly dies down. And we start to hear these different voices emerging, ones that frankly don't get much of a look in amongst the rush and the noise of life as usual. And I notice that this period of quietness and slowness brings with it some strange kind of effects Like for some of us, it's almost like a a whole year of exhaustion hits us and every single chair that we sit down in, we can't help but fall asleep in. Some of us find unexpected emotions suddenly bubbling up to the surface in inconvenient moments, like sadness and anger, a desire to take risks and be silly. Some of us discover ourselves as being newly discontent and we start itching to change things up, we're considering making big promises, signing up for crazy adventures as we dust off that long abandoned exercise gear or hopes of travel or dreams about our careers. And all of these strange effects are part of the gift of this season, this season of slowness and quietness because finally there's a break in the onslaught of movement and noise, a break long enough for for us to hear these voices that are always there, but for which we don't listen to very well. There are many names that we could call these voices, the cries of our souls, the whispers of our spirit, our true self, but regardless of what you call it, I'm talking about that part of you that deep interior part of you that knows who you are, that knows the way home, that knows what will bring you healing and wholeness and health in your life. It's that part of you that knows that the life that you're living is not the same as the life that wants to live in you. And the gift of this season of slowness and quietness is that we finally have an opportunity to let our lives speak, to let them really speak. I wonder what's your life been saying to you in the last few days? Of course, at first, that sounds like a great opportunity, doesn't it, to listen to your life? I mean, who wouldn't want to get some space from the many distractions and busyness to listen to to those deep currents but actually, it provokes a reasonable amount of fear. Like, if we really listen, what are we gonna hear? If we actually lifted the lid on our lives, my goodness, what might pop out? Boogie monsters from years ago, things that we, we you know, had hoped never to see again, memories that we've hidden from ourselves, feelings that we don't want to acknowledge exist, let alone re-experience, truth about ourselves that we are unwilling to confront. But there is a strong tradition in scripture of people entering into the wilderness of silence and solitude, only to be confronted with themselves and confronted by God. Joseph, you remember, gets cast off by his brothers into the aloneness. Moses leaves everyone and everything he's never known and spends 40 years in Midian. David retreats to the wilderness of the En Even the great prophet Elijah spends 40 days and 40 nights alone on Mount Horeb, burnt out and afraid. Henry Nouwen writes that without silence and solitude, it is almost impossible to have a spiritual life. Almost impossible. You see, in solitude, we separate ourselves from people in order to attend to God. In silence and solitude, we quiet every inner and outer voice to listen for God in the sheer silence. This isn't a weird Old Testament thing. Jesus begins his public ministry spending 40 days in silence and solitude in the wilderness. Of course, we tend to read this story and we think, oh gosh, poor Jesus, he must have barely survived out there alone in the wilderness. Of course, what we miss is that the wilderness, this place that is totally free of distractions, this place where Jesus is stripped bare and utterly dependent on God, he goes to that place of dependence, he goes to that place without distraction so that he can overcome the accuser, so that he can withstand the temptations of Satan. It's only the strength that comes from being with God in the silence and solitude of the wilderness that enables Jesus to overcome the temptations that are coming his way. Over and over and over again, we see the very same pattern in the life of Jesus. First, he enters into solitude, first. And then preaching, teaching, discipleship, and then more solitude it's up a mountain, it's in a boat, it's in the middle of the night, it's all night, wherever he can get it, Jesus enters into silence and solitude. And if Jesus needed it so much, if he searched for it, if he made space for it in his life, then how much more do you and I need that in our lives? I think part of the reason that we don't take this seriously I mean, sure, we all think it's important, but I mean seriously in that we actually organize our lives to create space for it isn't because we don't understand the power of silence. It's precisely because we do. We have this intuition that silence and solitude isn't this zened out place where we're surrounded by whale song. We intuitively know that the place of silence and solitude is actually the place where our old self is dies, and the new self is born, where this very scaffolding of our lives gets thrown to the ground, and for a moment we grasp just how alone and naked and vulnerable and weak we really are. And this realization is so terrifying, it's so frightening, that everything inside of us wants to run the other way. We want to call our friends, we want to pick up our phones, we want to go back to work, anything from stop us, to stop us from feeling this vulnerability. It's so easy to live our lives among the decibels of modern life. But if we continually push away the part of us that longs for silence and solitude, we will pay a great cost. And the great cost is that there will simply be no room <clears throat> for God to do the deep transformative work in your life. Where else but in silence and solitude with Jesus do we have any hope of putting to death our old selves? Where else do we have any hope of making the space that we need for the new life that Christ offers us to be birthed within us? When I was a little girl, I used to regularly have nightmares. I don't remember what they were about, but I remember that each and every time I would wake up convinced that either there was someone underneath my bed or there was someone lurking in my wardrobe. And at that moment, I would jump out of my bed because I was so concerned that someone would reach out and grab me by the ankles and drag me back down. And I would rush down the hallway into my parents' bedroom where I would sit next to my father and I would blow on his face. Like, I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant for him, but I was trying to wake him up. And after a while, dad would wake up and he would say, What's wrong? And I would say, I had a nightmare and he would scoop me up into his arms and he would take me back into my bedroom and he would sit on the end of my bed and he would wait there until I fell asleep. He did this night after night after night until I learnt that I was okay. Our fear is that in the midst of the slowness and the quietness, this discomfort, this unease, this pain, the loneliness, that we're holding back. This disappointment will suddenly emerge like a nightmare and it will swallow us up. And we'll discover that we're lost and that we're alone and that there's no one there to help us. And friends, this morning I wanna tell you that this is a great lie. This is the greatest of lies. That we enter into the silence and the chaos not alone but with God because we are never alone. And not only are we never alone, but we are always held in the arms of a loving God who has the power to calm the storm, who has the power to repel the darkness, who has the power to break the chains of fear that keep us bound. You see, the truth is that we discover that just like children turning to their father for comfort in the middle of the night after a nightmare, that God is always there for us. It's a truth that the children of Israel discovered uh, as they spent their 40 years wandering in the wilderness, this long walk to freedom as they followed God, who was present with them as a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night. One of the dynamics of gathering for worship on a morning like this is that Despite this being a place where many words get spoken, actually you've also come here this morning to enter into the silence. You see, we gather in this place to experience an intensity of God's presence, God's presence among us. You've come here in part to listen to your life. And sometimes there's a specific word that gets spoken, it's the lyric of a song, it's the word of scripture and we hear that word and it matters a great deal to us. But sometimes the words don't matter. Sometimes the words are just a kind of a doorway, a doorway that ushers us into the presence of God, that make us feel safe enough to finally drop our shoulders and let down our guard and let the spirit of God in. And after we've opened our lives to the spirit and to the wisdom of God the traditional end of a worship service is something called a benediction benediction it's latin it means to speak well to have someone speak good over us to speak good into our future a benediction is a blessing a blessing from God over all that we've brought into God's presence over the wholeness of our life and it sends us out into the world so that we might be a blessing this blessing that we've received we might pass it on and there are some days when we go to church so battered so bruised from the events of our life so churned up inside that we just need someone to bless us. On the first Sunday after my father's death in August, I went with my mother to church, to her church. And no offense to my fellow preachers, but I actually didn't go to listen to the sermon. Because some Sundays, you just can't even take the sermon in. That's how loud the voices in your head are. But what I was looking for was a benediction, What I needed most in that moment when the chatter inside was at, you know, a force 10, what I needed was a blessing. I just needed someone to speak hope over me because I couldn't find any words of hope for myself. So as you receive the gift of this season of quietness, of slowing down, of stillness, of allowing everything that is bidden and unbidden to emerge within your heart, within your soul, within your mind, as you stand on this hinge, not just between one year and another, but between one decade and another, I think we could all use a blessing, couldn't we? And Jude's blessing is a beautiful one. Now to him, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish, in the presence of his glory with joy. Now to him who is able. See, in the midst of the wilderness of silence and solitude, as we listen to our own lives, we are confronted with our limits. We discover that there's a whole range of things that we are simply not capable of. And Jude's blessing to us this morning is not to you, not to you that can't, but but to him, to him who is able. And the blessing continues, able to keep you from falling. As we step into the deep waters of our lives, as we truly listen and become overwhelmed with the things that emerge, sometimes we don't have the strength to stay upright, We can't avoid all the tripping hazards that surround us and we inevitably come crashing to the ground. And Jude says the one who is able is able to make you stand. He's able to make you not stumble in the midst of the challenges of your life and he will set your feet upon a rock and you will not be shaken. To him, to him who's able to make you stand. And not only will he keep you from falling, but he will make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory. There will be no trace of dirt. There will be no trace of shame and regret. All the stains, all the bruises, all the blemishes will be washed away and you can stand made holy by the one who is holy, full of joy, pouring out your praise to God, the one who saves So my prayer this morning is that you would know this blessing, that you would receive this blessing in this season of stillness and quietness. May this blessing be renewed for you again this morning. Let's pray. Loving God, as we close one year's door and contemplate the opening of another, we pray that we might be aware that you're standing at the door of our lives this morning that you are again knocking on our hearts, that you're calling each person here by name, trying to break through the deafening cacophony in our heads. So God, before everything else that's to come crowds in, before the pace of life accelerates and the days start to blur, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would grant to us a blessing that we would hear your voice, that you are able, that you have paid the cost, that you have made a way. In the quietness of this moment, God, we hear the gentle call of the one who has loved us so deeply that he gave everything that we might know life in its abundance. And so we pray that despite our trembling hands, we would open the door to receive you again, for you are able. Help us to overcome our shyness and our hesitancy to fully open our lives to the one who knows us and loves us more completely than any other. God, we confess that we are unable, unable to fully manage our lives in the way that we would wish, unable to love like we would wish to love. But you are able, God, able to save us, able to help us to do what we know is right, Enable us to take another step this morning. We turn to you, great God. Fill us with your love and your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.